I was told by Dave I have to go on the stage. So <laughs> I really was. Uh, thank you for having me tonight. My name is uh, Marty Yost. I am, uh, I'm a, the assistant pastor at Voyage Calvary Chapel in Fountain Valley. I also serve there as the youth pastor, so I've met some of the kids and some of the men here I've met. I do the men's ministry there as well. And Dave asked me to come here and share a part of my testimony tonight. He said I have about 30 minutes. <laughs> um, guys, I have, to, I have to be honest with you. I don't really like sharing my testimony. Um, I don't like talking, yeah, about sin. But I know when God asked me to do this, that somebody needs something. I didn't look forward to coming here tonight. But somebody needs something. So let's just pray. Father God, thank you. I love you so much. Bless the words that come out of me to be a blessing to whoever needs them, that it would be life-changing for them. Thank you, Father God. In the name of Jesus, amen. I'll move really fast. Um, I was born in Rexburg, Idaho. That's a really big Mormon town, if, you don't, if you've never been there. I mean, it's the Mormon town. Uh, uh, it's 90, 98%, 99% LDS. My mother was a Mormon. Uh, by the time I was born, she was what we refer to as a Jack Mormon. I mean, she didn't practice, but, you know, she still played the role for her family and stuff. Uh, my dad was a Lutheran because he grew up in the Lutheran church, and that's what it said on the side of the building, so he was a Lutheran. We didn't really practice any religion. Every once in a while, we would go to church at the Presbyterian church. Therefore, I was a Presbyterian because that's what it said <laughs> on the side of the building. And we would go there on Christmas and on Easter, <clears throat> so... I was that. I was a very popular uh, teenager. I was a very good athlete. And the reason I tell you that is because uh, if you're very popular and you're a good athlete, but you don't have any guidance or any structure, there's a wide road of sin placed in front of you at your dispense. And that's what I had. My mom and dad were very trusting. Uh, they were good people, but they were very trusting. And I got to do whatever I wanted to do. And I did. Um, at an early age, I started drinking. Uh, um, I don't want to brag about it, but I highly doubt any of you could have hung with me. I highly doubt it. And that's nothing to be proud of, but this was bad. Um, by the time, by, from my high school years to my early 20s, I had already partaken in um, two abortions. Yeah. I don't say that to brag. I, or try like my testimony's cool, or like look what I've done, because I don't want to say that. I hate saying that. But I know the numbers. I know what's in this room. I know what's hidden in this room. Men and women. And let me tell you something. God loves you. And he'll forgive you. I know lots of murderers in my book called the Bible that he forgave and used. He will forgive you. And don't let any Christian hold you down, any legalist brother, thinking their sin is uh, not as much as yours and yours is greater. You couldn't give me all the money in the world to be in their shoes with that kind of pride. Sin is sin. 
We have such a loving God. I, uh, I had a dream to be an actor. Uh, I didn't want to tell anybody. So I came to California on, uh, to play baseball and uh, with really just the thing on the back of my mind that I wanted to be an actor, but I didn't want to tell anybody. So I did that. I came and I was at Mount San Jack. I played baseball there and I was a theater major. Very awkward. <laughs> baseball players and theater majors don't usually mix. It's a weird thing, but I loved acting and I took off at it. Uh, I felt like I was just wasting my time. I auditioned for roles there. I did really well. I got roles left and right there. And I was like, this is a waste of time. I'm going to Hollywood. And I did. I jumped in my truck. I was, I was 19 when I left uh, Idaho Falls, drove to Hollywood. And the next year, one year of baseball, and I drove right into Hollywood. Uh, I took off really fast there. It was right off the bat, I got a, a SAG commercial, and they taft hartley me and put me in the union. I didn't even know what that was. All I knew is it cost a lot of money. And they gave me a little pin that went on my shirt. <laughs> and uh, it meant somehow I was important in the acting world. Uh, I was very successful for a short time in Hollywood. I did a lot of commercials. Uh, I did uh, TV co-stars and guest stars, uh, independent films uh, that were SAG films and uh, leads in those roles. Um, I made my living there for almost a year, a little over a year as an actor. You'll never know who I was. They were all nothing on the shelf movies and stuff, but you can... You can look some of those things up. One of the movies is called Crash Dive. It's actually on YouTube. I was laughing. It's on YouTube now. You can watch the whole, how bad that movie is. It's on YouTube. You can watch the whole thing. Um, but when I was there, uh, I was still seeking. I got deep into the occult. Uh, I knew the greatest, uh, all the greatest tarot card readers in Hollywood. Yeah, cool, right? I knew all those guys. Uh, and guess what? Some of the stuff they say is right on. That's even scarier. We're in war, people. We're in a war against principalities. The Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy. So they said that for a reason. Uh, and that's real. I did that. I practiced that for a while. I even read tarot cards myself. I went to different places. I went to Sedona at the 1212, the awakening of consciousness. For all dum dums, you gotta go. <laughs> that was one of them. I gotta go there and do that, and uh, look at trees and their energy and all kinds of foolish things. I practiced that for a long time. I go real quick. I I met the woman of my dreams. Um, she was. I didn't know this at the time, but she was a backslidden Christian. I wouldn't have known what that meant then. I had a Lord's Prayer on my wall. It was something that my grand, grandpa and grandma had given me, so that's why it was on my wall. I didn't know what it said. Somehow she read that and thought I was some kind of a Christian, and that was her safety net. That's what will get you. That's what being a backslidden Christian will get you. Uh, and long story short, we got married. She was uh, ahead of me in the acting world. She ran a big acting school there. She knew all the agents, all the casting directors, and, uh, and she was great. But as we got married, she... In our first year of marriage, God was tapping on my door, and, and the Lord was started to call her. And she would go in the room every night and read her Bible. And I was like, what are you doing? We're not doing that. I grew up in that, because I grew up with the Mormons. I grew up in religious persecution. You sound, everything that I heard, sound just like the Mormons. We're not doing that. If we have a family, we're not taking them there. We're not doing this. And while she would sit in the other room, 
praying for me and reading the Bible, I would sit at my kitchen table and read tarot cards. Um, and then all of a sudden, Hollywood just kind of started to open up to me. Uh, long story short, I, I was on the 134 freeway last the one tonight, and I'm really cut. I got to really cut here and go for Dave's time. Um, but uh, the Lord had been working on me. I didn't realize that then, but a lot of people had been coming into my life. And I screamed out to God on the 134 freeway, and I was mad. I was really mad, but I was honest. And that's all God cares about. God, God's a God of motives, not of performance. He's a God of motives, a, a God of truth. He's not afraid of your tough questions. He's not afraid of your you think is tough sin. He's not afraid of it at all. And I screamed out to him, I'm no, worse, I'm, I'm no better than any prisoner, anything. I'm as worse as anybody that you have in your book. Um, who are you? I, this Jesus, I don't even know if, if Jesus even is. How could you do this to me? If it's Jesus, let me know. And I said one thing, and I, I acted in faith, and I didn't even know it. I said, it's got to be Jesus. It has to be. Please just let me know. Those are tears of joy. <laughs> he let me know. Christian people came out of the woodwork. They came out of the woodwork. And people that I wouldn't even have given the, the time of day to. Talking my ear off about David and Goliath and, and Jesus and telling me stories. And just the right people. Just the people that I would listen to. And then I'll end with this. Hollywood opened up its doors to me. Well, you think, wow, that's good. You met Jesus, so Hollywood opened up your doors to you. No. Satan opened up his doors. He doesn't like it when you leave his team. So my dream opened up its doors for me. Let me just tell you guys of dreams of being actors. I've had auditions and been in places that most actors only dream of being. I'm not saying this to be uh, bragging. And I've had to walk away from it. Literally walk away. When I met Jesus, Hollywood opened up its doors completely. One of my good friends, who cre I won't say his name, he created a very successful TV show. He's very big in Hollywood today. Calls me up. He says, Marty, I got a, a, a movie role for you. Just giving it to me. You're going to love this. He goes, it's a religious guy. No one ever said that to me. Thinks I'm a religious guy now. Yeah, it's this guy. He's a coach, and he's a religious guy, and he carries his Bible around all the time. And but his uh, his daughter's possessed by the devil, and she like kills everybody. Are you in? So here I am. I'm still in my dream. I'm a baby Christian. Do I go do this movie? Was it really good money? And a movie. And let that ride with me for the rest of my life. Stay here, Jesus, while I go do this movie. So I'd make up lies. I would do the Peter thing. I'd make up lies to my agent and tell her why I couldn't go because I didn't want her to know that I was a Christian because she wouldn't send me out anymore. I was new. I was a newbie. Till one day, Dave, how, are we here? <laughs> okay. Till one day, uh, I was on a set and I got my big break. And uh, it was a TV show. 
And I'm not going to, I don't want to give glory to any of those people, but it was a big TV show. And I had just booked what looked like was going to be a series regular. For you guys who are seeking acting careers, that's, that's a big deal. That means you're going to be one of those people on TV that's very famous at signing autographs. I got there for my first day. I had my own dressing room, everything. And in the first scene, there's a scene where the main character, I play one of his friends, he's having a dream. And during his dream, he, he, he comes down the road doing a gymnastic doing a gymnastic routine, and then we all hold up the numbers, right? Like 10, 9, all those things. And so as they're doing it, we get ready to shoot it. And of course, the close-ups are on a couple of us because we're his good friends, and we're in, the, we're in the TV series. He does the thing. The, the producer says, cut, hold on. And he comes up and grabs my card, and he changes my card. And I look on there. I'm like, what is that? What do you put? What kind of number is that? I go, I recognize that number. I don't know what that number is. Anyways, they do the thing. And I go, that's something in the Bible. Anyways, I do, do the scene. Do the scene. So it comes down. He does the thing. I hold up the number. And they all, the whole entire crew and cast is break out in laughter. Mocking laughter. And I hear people going, oh, man, that's something in the Bible. Oh, no. And the, the producer runs over and goes, cut, cut, cut. We can't put that in there. Give me that. Give me that. They're laughing. <laughs> that was funny. That was so funny. And it was John 3.16. And I didn't know what it meant. And I was so mad. I was mad, but I was more mad because I was mad because I knew there was something wrong with that. But I was more mad that I didn't know why I was even mad. It was a few days after that I learned that God will not be mocked. That show was canceled from the air. It had just started. But God used that to teach me. He used that to grow me. Because he's a forgiving God. I left Hollywood. <laughs> Don't go. <laughs> I know some of you are thinking, I'm going to go there and I'm going to be the light in Hollywood. Be, remember where Jesus was, he was always the influencer. He was never being influenced. If you go to a place like that, you have to be the influencer where Christ, not being influenced by them. So you have to be real careful, young people, old people who want to be celebrities. We can talk about that later. Anyways, God put it heavy on my heart. He moved quick in my life. I've never had such a hunger to read the Bible. Where did that come from? I, I couldn't get enough of the Bible. I wanted to know the Bible because of those experiences. I wanted to be able to defend the Bible. I wanted to be able to let people know of all that I've been through. I've been freed. I didn't know that you were important. I, I didn't know that I was important. And when God showed me that, he says, all my kids are important. We know in Genesis, he created you. He created you in his image. He loves you, and he wanted me to go out and tell people how important they are. They don't know they're important. They don't know that we're at war, and that war is bloody. But there's a, there's a special gift to walk right through it. The war will still be there, but you will come out with Jesus. Guys, if tonight you got hidden sin... 
if you have hidden sin. You don't have to go blabbering to all these guys and everyone. People are just people. Get right with God. Get right with God. Don't let it go any further. Some of you come here and you pretend to be Christians and you're good at it. Some of you have been here maybe for years and you haven't even really met God yet, but you played the role. You don't get extra points for looking shiny for all the, for all the people in the congregation. Get right with Jesus. Give all that sin up to him. Wipe yourself off and go and serve God. He'll take all your, your loser story and he'll let you serve his people. I don't deserve to be an assistant pastor, a youth pastor. But guess what? None of you guys do either. <laughs> Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you for an opportunity to talk to your kids. No matter what our age, we're all your kids. We're just babies in your eyes. Take care of us, Lord. Touch, move on this room tonight. Move on every, all of us tonight. Bring us to a new relationship with you. Maybe it's the first time we're going to meet you tonight. Let, us, let those people come and not be afraid of their friends or anything else, but to give their lives to Christ. Maybe it's time to renew our lives, that that would happen tonight. Thank you that my brother comes up here to talk, that you just bless every word out of his mouth and bless this ministry, that, this new ministry that started here on this church. I thank you for the extra longevity of this whole church, all the pastors, everyone here, that it's, it, has a, it has a new life, an extended day serving you here in this community. Thank you for the protection over all the leaders here and their families and all of your kids. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So 1 John chapter 3, verse 11. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one, and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Verse 16. By this we know love that he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little, sorry, I'm going to fix this. Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit 
whom he has given us. Lord God, bless your word. Make it fruitful in our lives and our hearts. Change us, Lord, as we approach your word. And God, may the words of my mouth be pleasing in your sight, Lord. May you be glorified. Amen. Some of you have heard this story before, but it's really the perfect illustration to get us started. So you'll have to bear with me and just hear it one more time. Uh, we uh, were two years ago, we're on our way to vacation, and we were headed to Utah. And I, we hit this terrible traffic on the I-15. It was just awful. Uh, I mean, it was just stopped. And so we knew there was a bad accident or something like that. And, and by the way, we're in my wife's pretty, fairly new minivan. Uh, uh, she had just gotten this new, new car. It had been a long time since she had had a new car. And so she's very happy with it. Yes, you can be happy with a minivan for all the younger people. It's, uh, I know for younger people, it's like minivan. Oh, my gosh, that's death. <laughs> but, but it's actually really cool. And it works really well. So anyway, we're on our way to Vegas, or to, to drive through to St. George, and uh, we hit this traffic, and so right away I got on, get on Apple Maps, and I Google, I, I look for a route around the traffic, and sure enough, there's a road. And I'm like, sweet, there's a frontage road that runs along the freeway, a service road there. We'll take that road, and we'll just get around this traffic and, and get back on in uh, uh, the town with the thermometer. Uh, Baker, thank you very much. <laughs> Baker, we'll get right back on there and everything will be good. So we, we get off the freeway, we start looking around for this road, and I don't see a road anywhere, so I'm like, I don't know, let's just get back on the freeway. But then in my rearview mirror, I see people turning, and I guess I go, oh, I guess we just didn't go far enough down this nothing road. So we, went, we turned around, we started heading down this desert road, and uh, it's very soft dirt, and I'm like, okay, and uh, I'm just kind of starting to get stressed. My wife is getting stressed, and, and I'm like, okay, everybody calm down. You guys are stressing me out. Which that, they weren't stressing me out at all. It was totally the situation that we were in. The sand was so soft as we're driving this minivan through. And it's one of those things about off-roading that I've learned from being, doing off-road trips in my truck is when you're on soft sand, don't stop. If you stop, you're caught. You're done. And especially in two-wheel drive vehicles. So we're driving, driving, and, I'm go and finally I catch up to another car, and, and we see a valley, and, and at the top of the valley, there's a little bit of hill. It looks a little bit more hard packed there, and I'm thinking, well, maybe if we can make it through that valley to the base of that hill, I can turn around and we can head back. Uh, so we're driving, and we start to catch up to this car. I'm like, please don't stop, please don't stop, please don't stop, and they stopped. And then we had to stop. And I said, that's it, we're stuck. And my wife said, I don't think we're stuck. And I'm like, no, we're stuck. Here, watch. I put it in reverse and nothing. We didn't move. So I just put it in park and I said, let's call for, for a, a, a pullout. Let's call AAA. So we called AAA. And sure enough, all these cars were getting stuck out there that day. We, we, got, we got stuck about 2 o'clock in the afternoon. We got finally back on the highway about midnight. Yeah, we were out there forever. And, and we did miss the traffic. That was the good part. <laughs> traffic was gone. But we were saying, my wife, God bless her, she's just like, as soon as we're stuck, she's like, just so you know, I'm not mad at you. I'm like, okay, thank you. <laughs> but we were stuck forever. And there were so many cars stuck. And let me just tell you, a Christian, without the word of God, 
that's not seeking the word of God and seeking what pleases God is like a GPS unit that doesn't work, that gives bad information. It's worthless. My kids to this day, when I turn on Apple Maps, are like, no, no Apple Maps. They're terrified of Apple Maps because of that situation. I should have looked on Google Maps because later I looked on Google and it said there was no road there and I should have gone with that. But, but for some reason, Christians will ignore the word of God. They'll stay out of the word of God. They won't confront their lives with the truth of the word of God and they end up like a broken GPS, just blown and tossed around, doing whatever pleases them or seems right to them. I mean, thankfully, they have the Christian culture a little bit to help steer them. Maybe you even come and sit in church and you hear bits and pieces of messages, but you yourself aren't taking part in that living water. You're not getting into the word and letting it change you. And what it will bring in your life is destruction eventually. You'll be led astray. D.L. Moody said, sin will keep you from this book speaking of the Bible, but this book will keep you from sin. And tonight we're gonna to be talking about that because we, we, we started last week talking about what the gospel looks like in us, what it produces in us. And last week as we contemplated the love of God, we saw that one of the things that the gospel produces in me that living word of God is righteousness. It produces righteous acts in me. No longer the sinful acts. Acts that are pleasing to God. This week, we start out the text with, do not be like Cain. John says, hey, here's the deal. Each one of us, this is the message you've heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. This is what we should do. And the illustration that John gives us is don't be like Cain. Well, who is Cain again? Oh, that's right. In Genesis 4, we read about Cain, the very first murder recorded in human history. Cain's envy of his brother and his decision to murder his brother. It says this, now Adam knew, his Eve, his, uh, knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was angry, and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry, and why is your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. So this very story, at first when we read the story, we kind of think, well, you know, that's not cool that God accepted Abel's, but not Cain's. And we kind of read it from that human perspective. And, you know, ultimately God gets to accept what he wants. But the issue wasn't that Cain's wasn't, wasn't of quality. It's not that God wouldn't accept an offering of fruit because we know in the law he does accept offerings uh, from, from Israel. Like he accepts uh, grain offerings and, and um, offerings with oil and all that sort of stuff. God accepts that. The issue was Cain's heart because God says, if you do well, it'll be accepted. 
If your heart is right, it'll be accepted. But see, Cain's heart wasn't right. In fact, he was harboring envy against his brother. He was harboring hatred and malice. And what did that produce in him? Murder. In John 8, Jesus confronts the Pharisees on the same very idea. Because he says to them, they come up and say, well, you know, we've never been in bondage. He tells them that anyone who's in Christ or who follows the word of God will be set free from bondage. And then, then Jesus goes on, they, the Jews respond to him with, hey, we're not in bondage. We've never been in bondage. Our father is Abraham. And they're so excited about their father. Their father is Abraham. And Jesus confronts it right away. Remember last week, we talked about how in Christ, we now have a new father, a heavenly father, that love of the father. Well, that's basically what the Jews were saying. Hey, if our father is Abraham, that means God's our father. We're his children. And so Jesus confronts it in John 8, and he says, no, 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 no. Your father's not Abraham. Because the fact is, you do not accept the word of God. And he goes on to say this, you are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. So Jesus challenges the Pharisees, the Jews on their, on their position. That, no, no, we're of God. Our father's Abraham because we're religious. And Jesus is not even close. You're not religious because you don't do the word of God. You don't rejoice in the truth. You rejoice in what you want to. In fact, Jesus goes on to say that you want to kill me. That's not from God. That is from the father of the devil, the same one whose Cain belongs to, the same one that murdered his brother Abel. We should not be like Cain, who was the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? John says, because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. The world system, when I say the world, we're talking about the philosophy, the, the manners of the world, the, the mindset of the world. It will never love righteousness and it will never rejoice with righteousness. Your holiness, your lifestyle in Christ will always be offensive. Paul tells us it's the smell of death to the unsaved. You are. The smell of death. You will be offensive to the world if you live a godly life. So we're challenged on this. Do we want to live a godly life? Well, let's talk more about what this means, living a godly life. Because John's exhortation here is to love your brothers Love one another, not to be like Cain. So we know, do not be surprised, brother, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Here's what I mean by the gospel being manifested in us. First, we produce righteous deeds. We get away from sin. When, when we meet Christ, we put away sin in our lives. We start repenting. We say, I'm done with this. I will no longer continue to live in this way. Remember John in chapter one said, uh, walk in the light as he is in the light. So we start to walk in the light as Christ in the light. Second, we start to love one another with a godly type love, a love that is for their good, not ours. This is a different kind of love. 
Because I don't know about you, but the love I was born with, the, the love that naturally came to me, my default position was loving me first and everybody else second. Sure, I was a pretty good-natured kid, and I, I, I loved my sisters, but you better believe me, if I could blame them for something or get out of being in trouble by throwing them on the altar, I would do it. No question about it. That's the nature I was born with because I was born a brother of Cain, a child of sin. Sin was the, the, my default nature. And so I have to be taught to love my brother, to love one another. Because whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that the mur no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Jesus, remember 1 John, Jesus, uh, John tells us, whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way as Christ. So we want to abide, we want to walk as Christ. So John goes on to give us the illustration. So how do we love? What does love look like? If the only love I know is how to love myself first and everybody else, what do I do? Well, that's the next verse. We see, we see it right there. We're supposed to be like Christ. Look at 1 John 3.16. Another 3.16. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. There it is, Simple. This is how we know what love is. This is the definition of love. This is your example, lay down your life. Sounds simple at first, but it's kind of complicated because when it comes to it and I'm choosing whether to love myself or display the love that God has demonstrated when I'm in this situation, you better believe I want to love myself. It's challenging for me. But this is where the gospel is manifested in me. This is how the gospel comes out in me as I start to love others more and more as I practice walking in Christ. You can too. Lay yourself down for others. And so John gives them even more practical illustration. He talks about our goods, the things we acquire in life. Because that's really what it comes down to, right? <laughs> if we want to test ourselves, we can, we can say things all day long. We can say, oh, yeah, yeah, I, lo I love so-and-so. Yeah, I, I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll follow you, God. But in the end, it comes down to our goods, our possessions. How willing are we really to give away? How willing are we to share and help one another out that way? And so John says, but if anyone has the world's goods and see his brother in need yet closes his heart against him, how does God lo God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. See, John already knows how it is. I mean, he himself is a, a practicing Christian. He knows what it's like to be challenged in how we love one another. And so he calls us right away before we can even think of excuses or get out of it. He says, hold on, hold on. Here's the deal. If you see a brother in need and you just close your heart off to them, if it's, and James puts it this way, if you see a, a brother cold and without a, a tunic or a cloak and you just go, hey, God bless you, see you later, <laughs> that, that's done no good when you could have given him a cloak. This is that Christian self-sacrificing love. It's interesting because early on in church history, Romans, uh, uh, there were, there's actually Roman comedians, we, we have their, 
recorded that they would make jokes about the Christians. And, and there were jokes going around that, hey, you know what? If, if you're looking for a free ride, a free meal, and a free place to stay, and you have no money, just go find a Christian. Because they're going to open up their door to you. But you can't stay too long because eventually they'll say go get a job. So you got to move on to the next Christian. It's interesting how within the culture, the Christians were being made fun of in that way. But it displays the love that the Christians had for people. And how willing they were to open up their, their doors and open up their goods to others. We should be the same. And you know what? In America, i got to say... America, because it's been founded on those Christian values, we have a lot of philanthropy happening. We have a lot of people that are willing to give. The Christians are different, though. It's not just about giving, because that's, that's the social gospel. But there's also about, about being not only in, in deed, but also in truth. We're not going to just say, okay, I'll give you something now. Now I don't have to share the actual gospel with you. We're not going to just make our, our efforts and all of our, our uh, endeavors about AIDS, cancer research, or all these sorts of things. No, our priority is the gospel, the life-giving message of Jesus Christ. That's the priority. But we use our goods to bless others, to help others along, to show that Christian charity that God would want us to do. That's the gospel lived out in us. By this we shall know we are of the truth and reassure our hearts before him. I've got to speed along here. Um, so we'll see how far we get. We might not get that far tonight. But So John says that God's love is modeled in Jesus Christ dying, on the, dying for us. Now, I, I just want to point out to you something about Jesus Christ. It's easy for me to love lovely people or people that are or I like being around, it's really hard for me to love people that I don't like being around. It's, it's really easy for me to dislike them and distance myself from them. And especially even in a church setting, you got a big body of people. There's people you're gonna get along with and there's people that you definitely don't get along with. Or just them opening up their mouth rubs you the wrong way. So how do you love them? Well, Jesus calls us, Jesus laid down his life. Now, did he lay down his life for the lovely, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says we are dead in our sins and transgressions. We are enemies of God when he laid down his life. So the challenge for you and me is how do we love those who are unlovely? And of course, obviously, John is focusing here on the church. He refers to the brothers. He's focusing on the body of believers. But of course, this even goes out beyond the bodies of believers because we know, we know that Christ told us to love our neighbor. How do we love them? How do we love them not only in deed, but also in truth? Love does not mean you accept all things. Love does not mean that, okay, I just give money to something and we go, okay, yeah, that's cool. You live your way, I'll live my way. That's not love. The definition of love is that it rejoices in the truth. So if you're gonna love in deed and in truth, yeah, you'll give of your goods, but you'll also be willing to say, this is what God requires of you. This is what God calls holy. This is sinful behavior. And I want to encourage you to know Jesus Christ and him crucified. That is loving in word and truth. 
And so John says, by, these, by this we'll show, we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. For whenever our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. The product of the gospel in me is it bears fruit. That's, that's going to be the end product. The gospel will bear fruit in me. And the first fruit it's going to bear is a reassurance of heart, an assurance of heart. It's going to let me know when I'm questioning my salvation or I'm questioning, you know, my, my faith with God or am I really a believer or those sorts of things, my heart. I can know that, that if I'm having doubts, that God is greater than my heart and his promised word is true. So I bring those doubts before the Lord and I let the word convict me if there's sin in my life. But other than that, I trust in those promises that if God says the work is complete in me, it is complete and I can have reassurance. I can look at my life and go, well, Lord, I'm loving the way you want me to love. Lord, I'm acting righteous the way you want me to act righteous. I have no need for this doubting. Maybe you come to a place where you're like, yes, Lord, I understand that's sin, and I'll deal with it. Yeah, Lord, I need to go back and ask for forgiveness for the way I slandered that person or gossiped about them. Colossians, Paul tells us to put aside all anger, rage, malice, obscene talk. So we know that as a Christian living in Christ, there are things that we have to put, us, put aside If our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God. That's, that's what the, the main thing is. Christ brings us confidence. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. Well, what is that? Well, it's not carte blanche. It's not whatever you ask you're going to get. I'm not going to stand up here and tell you you'll get the new car. You'll get the new house. You'll get all the health and welfare and all that sort of stuff. That's not what this is talking about. This is talking about the relationship with God. The ability to overcome sin in our lives the ability to move forward in the ministry that he desires in your life. This is about you having communication with God. Ask whatever you want and you'll receive it. That's what John is talking about because there's no condemnation in your heart. You're right before the Lord. Some of us need to challenge ourselves and ask ourselves, am I right with God? And you know, you may be in a place tonight where you say, I don't think I can be right with God. Well, God is sure a lot greater than our hearts. And his work on that cross is greater than anything you've ever done. Trust me. God is good and he's forgiving. Finishing up, whoever keeps his commandments abides in, in God and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. Listen, John is saying this over and over again. And you know what? We need to hear it. We don't always hear things the first time round. And so I know you said, well, haven't we, didn't we talk about abiding in him last week and the week before and the week before? Yes, we did. Because that's what this whole book is about, how to abide in Christ. And yes, we did talk about loving our brothers. Yes, we did talk about loving God. And in fact, we've talked about it in every single chapter so far. And the reason why? Because we need to hear it. The church in John's day needed to hear it, and we need to hear it. We always need to be reminded about it. Because like I said before, a person, with a, a Christian without the word of God is like this, 
this broken GPS. <laughs> it's no good. And so if you come to church, you're going to hear the word of God. And we're going to try to steer you straight. Because that's what this Calvary Chapel Old Town is all built upon, teaching the word of God. We want to make sure that you get it. So tonight, let me encourage you, love one another for love, com um, love comes from God. Be willing to sacrifice yourself for others. Calvary Chapel Old Town does, um, and I, I want to talk about this now because it has to do with it in closing. Every Christmas Eve, we collect an offering for, for we call the deacon fund. And that deacon fund goes towards helping those in need in our, our fellowship throughout the year. So that when people come need a, uh, their car breaks down or they're, they're having trouble making their rent or they need food or anything like that, that's what we use that fund for. And, you know, you don't have to wait for Christmas. If you want to make a, a gift towards the deacon fund, you can just fill out the envelope, put it in there, and, and give that towards your brothers and sisters in Christ. That's what it's used for. But I just want to tell you next, this coming Christmas when it comes up, and I know we're in September, but that's what that's for. So maybe you need to put aside a little bit now because you don't have much and you want to save some. Do so. And then give it to the Lord to be used for others, to be used for your brothers. Uh, with that said, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we do thank you for this night. And God, uh, I want to do what pleases you. Lord, I want to have a relationship with you. And I thank you, God, that, that you allow us to be able to just come to you in prayer. Lord, to be able to seek you. God, I want to know how to love my brother better. And I'm always challenged on this, Lord. I'm always challenged on loving my neighbor Lord, help me to do this. Lord, help me to reflect you in all that I do. To be bold when I need to be bold. To be loving and tender, gentle when I need to be gentle. Lord, help me to see the needs of others and to meet those needs as best as I can, as best as you've equipped me to do so. We thank you and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.